Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Saving Throws. I'm your host, Red Rooster. Uh, so, today I'm going to be talking about, um, well, I guess it's a little bit of a, a hot take opinion. Uh, something that I've uh, noticed going on currently that I think other people have noticed too. It's maybe not such, such a hot take, but at least I think of it as kind of a hot take based on... Uh, it's going to be based on Pathfinder and D&D, which I know I focus on quite a bit on the show. Um, but uh, but based on Pathfinder and D&D and their upcoming um, uh, rules refreshes and what, what they're going to do and what that means going forward for things. And just kind of my opinion on where I think things are going with that. So uh, I'll save all, all the, the hot take stuff for when we get to the segment, though. So uh, in the meantime, not too, too much uh, going on that to talk about only two notable things I can think of. Um, speaking of rules uh, refreshes, uh, Wizards of the Coast recently recently did another updated video about the 2024 rules update that's coming up. It's actually an interesting video that's worth checking out. They're going to be talking about the core rule books, what's coming up for the play test, what you're gonna what you can expect going forward with it. Gives a little more insight. They always have a way. I mean, this makes sense. Most companies do this, but they have a way of making you feel like they're giving you a lot of information, but really they're not giving you anything. So it's, mo- it's you know, a lot of um, a lot of smooth talking it and uh, not really getting too much detail, but more of an insight piece. And, and I'm interested to see the stuff, especially, like I said, from last week, I'm going to Gen Con later this year. And gonna, I'm quite excited to look forward to the Wizards of the Coast panel on the 2024 rules updates to see what they have in store for it. Um, but... One thing that it's it's not really in between the lines, but just when you think about the the actions recently with Wizards of the Coast with their OGL debacle earlier this year, as well as the the, the whole Pinkertons thing and all, all the stuff that's gone on with them, um, you know, you look at this and it just makes me feel like that the creatives at the Wizards of the Coast, the guys behind the rules, the ones who care a lot about the game, and you know, I I believe that all of them do. They're all like fully invested in it, but. It, the way that they must clash there with the executives, like the higher ups at Hasbro, you know, the money, the money guys, the, the people who are, are looking out for the, the financial health, because whether we like it or not, although this was once a niche hobby, it's a huge uh, Dungeons and Dragons itself. It's a mainstream entity now, and it's something that they they have people up there that need to mind the financials for it. So to them. Those guys aren't necessarily as concerned about whether or not the uh, the hobby itself is in is doing well or people are happy with the direction it's going. And more um, that's more left in the hands of the creatives. But those guys don't necessarily get to make those calls. So anyway, I think it's a good video to watch and kind of get gives you a little bit of insight because I, I do believe people like Jeremy Crawford, Chris Perkins, those guys. I think they really do care about where that game is going and the legacy of the game and, and all that stuff. So it's interesting to see, to see that and kind of keep that in the back of your mind. And I, I feel like they say more without, without saying more through that video. So definitely worth checking out if for nothing else than just to see what they have kind of in mind for the future. And another big piece of news that's surprised me actually coming out was so obviously lots of people have gotten into this hobby through critical role, uh, particularly through D and D and, Critical Role, as we know, has gone out to do their own thing now in the wake of this OGL um, backlash. So the first of their 
escapades into their own systems has been through their illuminated world system in which they created Candela Obscura as an online series to watch them play. Um, so there was, in, in as far as I know, some relatively unexpected backlash from the fan base as um, Candela Obscura appears to be kind of an iteration on the game Blades in the Dark. And that's a game I've not had too much or any, I, say, I was going to say too much, but any experience with outside of just being familiar with what it is. But it's, it's a D6 pool, uh, dice, dice pool game and relatively simple. And when you look, compare and contrast it, it's very, very similar to that. Now, it's not like this was a secret, like a plagiarism or anything like that. They have straight up come forward to say, yes, Blades in the Dark was a, was a big inspiration, even the developer of Blades in the Dark himself has said, hey, I love Candela Obscura. I love what they're doing with this. So it seems to be that they're both on board with one another. There's, It's all cool. We're, we're all good with it, with it. But the fan base has gotten really quite upset by it. Uh, very upset. And I kind of think this may be just a case of mismanaged expectations. If there was some assumption that, uh, you know, the Critical Role folks were going to come out with just a 100% brand new system that no one's ever heard of before developed entirely in-house which i mean yes this was developed in-house but it was obviously you know leaning on on the shoulders of others which i as far as i know they have not been uh they have not been trying to claim otherwise on that so it just seems a little unusual that uh, their fan base has to a certain extent turned on turned on them a little bit because they do have pretty fiercely loyal uh fan base uh but anyway very interesting to see and what this means for their future, I don't know, because I kind of think Daggerheart, as that comes out later in this year, is going to be premiered at Gen Con. This is likely going to be the one that they're going to try to replace D&D with when they get to a new campaign there. And I think that it's going to be very much an iteration on the 5th edition rules, since 5th edition is Creative Commons. So we'll, we'll be... We'll be interested to see what they do with that, if they do anything to try and really set it apart or be more like a Pathfinder that's just kind of trying to deliver the same thing for its own ends. Because that kind of seems where it might be the case. But either way, I, I'll be curious to see how the uh, fan base takes to that and, and what that reaction will be when that one finally drops. But it's a little bit of time to, before that one comes out. But I was very interested to see where that went because I think a lot of people are expecting that Critical Role is just going to be this ace in the hole. But in reality, I don't like I mean, they're going to be very successful. There's no doubt. But I don't think are they going to compete with Wizards of the Coast with D&D? I don't think there's any chance. I don't think that they can really do that. They might be more of a competitor that competitor that you would think. But I don't think that it's going to pose any real threat to the to the juggernaut that is the fifth edition rules right now. But that's just what I think. I could be wrong. We'll see. Um, that's just my opinion for now. But I'm very curious to see what they have in mind for Daggerheart. And you know what? I haven't actually watched uh, Candela Obscura yet, but it, it premiered a while back, but um, they, they finally posted online June 8th. So I'll probably give it a shot. I've watched some... My history with Critical Role is I've, I've watched a couple episodes here and there, but just due to the length of time, like each episode is... Not just, you know, your core game, but also like plenty of time of like table talk before and after. And they are legitimately very entertaining people. And it's it is engaging to watch. I just don't have the time for it. Right. Like I I love I love playing D&D uh, &D myself as well and preparing for the games. And I love playing video games. And, you know, it's just so much time you have to dedicate to it. 
I I tried to watch a bit of a, the first season, which I quite enjoyed. And ever since they did the in uh, the animated series on Netflix, I found that was a good <laughs> condensed way for me to experience part of it. Um, I didn't really watch too much of their second season, but I tried to again fresh with season three because I, I just understood watching these hundreds of episodes from the first two seasons is not going to cut it when each episode is like five or six hours, depending. Right. Um, so I don't know where some people just watch all of it. So I don't know where some people find the time for it. But, you know, it, more power to them if they love it. It's awesome. But I just personally don't have the time for it. But I'm interested to try Candela Obscura simply because. It's a much shorter scale campaign, so a little more digestible. May have to try to give that one a shot. Um, but whatever, we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right, now, as for the games I'm running at home right now, I don't really have anything to report on stuff going on there or any pickups recently, just because it's been kind of quiet on that front. My home game, um, you know, we've uh, we've been playing in person, but we've had a couple of delays lately. And another game that I play on the weekends has recently suffered a lot of delays as well so that kind of brings up a mind a reality of playing of being into this hobby is that sometimes you just have these unexpected delays someone can't make it you can't proceed with the game or you know like you now in this in this sort of post pandemic world of having wanted to get together play in person and now because we got used to playing online it's it's hard to balance between the two and, and which games that you're playing so uh interesting times indeed but let's get on to the main segment of the show today. Like I said, it's going to be a bit of a hot take opinion piece. All right. So, like I said, hot take, hot take time. Let's look at uh, both Dungeons Dragons and Pathfinder today, where they are now. They are both in remarkably similar spots. So the games themselves both ha- come from similar roots. Um, D&D, uh, obviously the core game itself, Dungeons & Dragons, that's the game that basically started it all uh, in its current 5th edition. And Pathfinder, the game that spun off from D&D back in 3.5. And now it is in its own 2nd edition trying to distance itself from D&D and be its own thing, which I think they're doing a great job with. But... They are both in the similar spot where they're pre- uh, presenting to the world uh, rules updates, just updates. So we don't because of the success that that uh, at least for Wizards of the Coast, the success that they've had with fifth edition is more popular than the game has ever been. They don't want to just say, OK, time for sixth edition or or they don't want to say time for five point five or, or anything. But you get the sense. Yes, they do want to, quote unquote, modernize it and bring it up to. uh what they believe current day audiences want. Uh, and really the way I look at it, it does seem very much, and this is where a little bit of the hot take comes in, that this is basically what like a 0.5 edition, like what 3.5 was to 3.0 or, you know, something like that, because there's a lot of changes that they're talking about here. So, but it's more than that. It's, it's not just as simple as to say, well, this is 5.5. And because they've come in and said, this is not a new edition. This is not a, a, an iterative edition. This is just an update to the rules. And it's a refreshing, a representation of it. It's the same core system that we've always had. But when I think about that, it makes me wonder what, you know, what is the future going to look like now? Because there's a big focus on 
D&D Beyond, and they're going to be able to change these rules very easily, uh, very quickly. Uh, and I think that they're going to be, it's going to be a lot more subtle. So instead of having, okay, guys, we're done with five, fifth edition, it's time for sixth edition, or it's time for 5.5, or, you know, whatever we're doing now, it's going to be some slow changes that get iterated in over time, because we've always had errata in RPGs. That's always been something that we've had to uh, deal with. Um, but that's not quite as effective. But if everyone's using a place like D&D Beyond or something, um, then you're going to have everyone running from the same set of rules, essentially. Outside, obviously not including any kind of house rules. But this way, whenever a, an edition changes, there's always a big fracturing. When I think about when third, third edition finally moved to fourth, even from fourth to fifth, um, you know, there's always a splinter of, uh, of people who prefer what, what came before. So the same thing right now is happening with Pathfinder. They're on, they're presenting it as we want to separate from the D and D OGL and we want to get moving on with, um, with revising the second edition rules and moving forward. But their whole argument that since we're going to open the patient anyway, let's go ahead and make some optimizations and changes. So the, what they're talking about, like removing alignment, removing the uh, ability scores, just some of that stuff that they're they're bringing forward is more, in my opinion, more than just a simple get away from the OGL. It's more of a what I would classically call a 0.5 or a revised edition like that, right? But again, that's not the way they want you to think about it. And they're, the way they, they present it is, well, you know, you're still going to have your old books. That's still going to, and that can play nicely with everything. And to that, I, I, well, I, I agree that, that that's going to be the case, but I think that's only going to be effective early on because I also note that they're not going to be doing any updates to the PDFs of the original core rule book. They're only going to be doing updates like in errata to the new rule books that they release later in the year. So, if that's the case, to me, that makes it seem, okay, so you're starting over these core rule books with all these radical changes, but you're not going to go back and change the original core books. In a year or two years' time, how easily are you going to take that original core rule book and play it with these revised ones? I don't think it's going to be very easy, especially if they're not going to be updating the errata anymore for it. So my thought is that, and, and let me be clear right up front, I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing. I, I get why Paizo wants to distance themselves from um, from the OGL. And I, and honestly, for any game, whether it's D&D 5e or whether it's Pathfinder, them wanting to give themselves a revision but keep sort of the same underlying math, the same system that works, like if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of idea. But I think this is just signposting what we're going to see as the norm going forward. I don't think that we're going to see the usual, it's time for a third edition, fourth edition, third edition, whatever edition, because like I said before, that's going to cause more of a fracturing. So I think this is just like speculation on my part here, of course, and this is kind of just also my opinion, but I think we are entering into that digital age. Like we're still going to get those print products, but the game itself is always going to live digitally. And I think with Pathfinder, they always post all the rules online for free. And I think that by by doing that, they're always going to have that fallback. You can use whatever book you have and just, you know, you have the, the core rules are always free online anyway. 
So that's really where the core of the game for Pathfinder is going to live, and that's going to allow them to tweak and, and experiment as they go. And they don't need to come to a point of a just a radical, here's a whole brand new edition. I mean, I could be wrong, maybe further down the line, but I think they're looking to delay that, like find something that works. And, you know, for Pathfinder distancing, distancing themselves from D&D and building up themselves that way. Um, and for D&D, they're using D&D Beyond as a way to to keep updating the rules. And so they can still say, hey, we're still using 5th edition. You know, that edition that you love so much, that critical role plays that everyone uh, that you see online playing. It's still that game. And Curse of Strahd, you can still play it here. However, do I believe that a 2024 core rulebook character can play alongside a 2014 core rulebook player without any real issues, without any trouble? Maybe originally. But again, much like I said with Pathfinder, in about two or three years from then, are we going to still see that be the case? Because it seems to me that keeping things balanced like that in the ongoing um, evolution, I don't believe that that's realistic. I don't think that they can keep it like that forever. Like what happens in 2034 when there's yet another core rulebook update? Are they going to say, yeah, you can still play with those 2014 rules? I don't believe that's the case. And, and I think Dungeons and Dragons, like Wizards of the Coast has come in and said that they don't, they want to get off the addition treadmill and just keep it to be, it's just Dungeons and Dragons and that's it. Respectable. I get it. And it makes sense, but I don't necessarily believe um, that it, that means what we as uh, players in DMs hope it means. Obviously, they want to continue to to make money, right? It's a business at the end of the day. And they also want to continue to evolve the game. So I get it. Uh, I get why they want to do it. But I don't believe that at face value that it's just going to be straight up the same. I think this is just going to be, this is the future of this industry, that it's going to be slower changes, slower, slower, slower. And it's just before you know it, next thing you know, you're playing a game with a completely different rule set. So it might have some of the same math under underlying in the system but even then like i think there's going to be good opportunity for them to change things and i just don't see i that's a good way for them to be able to avoid having these rocking um addition changes right um so so far with the play tests i know they said that they started out with very experimental changes to start just to see how that would go but I think even just the way that they've approached the races or, or, you know, they're called species now and character creation by adding in a feat at first level, I don't believe that's something that's going to go away. I think that is going to be going into it right from the get go. I, that would make me think the character made with a 2024 core book and the 2014 core book, the 2024 ones are going to be significantly, well, I shouldn't say significantly, but quite a bit more advantaged. So I don't believe that, um, they're going to play so well together right off the top. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see some conversion methods and how to get your original 2014 uh, character up to snuff. So again, this is just a lot of speculation, but that is my, that's my opinion. I do believe that we are going to see that that is, uh, that's going to be the norm going forward. And I'm, I, I, I am a little bit conflicted on it because I love playing the old school. I think as you guys already know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the OSR. The OSR is always there. And honestly, 
it is true what like what Paisa said and like I guess what Wizards has said before too. No matter what, you're always going to have your original books, so the game's always going to be there. And at the very least, for right now, you know, maybe they're being completely straight with us in that the math isn't changing and things will play well together. But I know for my own table, I'll be able to make it work no matter what. I'm not too concerned about that. I'm just more concerned about the implications that may have on the hobby going forward if they're not careful enough about it, I guess. Uh, but for now... It seems to me, this is maybe just me being <laughs> being too older than I realize, but it seems that this particular, the group of players that, that play now um, want something maybe a little different than what I remember wanting when I was, when I was younger. And, and I guess that just has a lot to do with, with technological advances that we've had and you know, it, it's, it's more of an archaic way of playing the way I was playing before. But you know what, that's that's the way I play, and you know you can play it like that, and there's no problem either way. That's a good thing about D and D. There's no wrong way to play it, but I do believe that these revised editions are the modern day point five editions for both Pathfinder and D and D, and I think that's just going to be the norm going forward. They don't have to call it point five, um, and it's going to be a lot more gradual than that. And I think this is just sort of those early first steps to see how far they can go. Cause when they go under the, the guise of like, well, we're doing this as a play test just to see what's happening. They are indeed collecting data for it, but you know, what happens when they do a play test with a radical change that everyone really likes? That's good for the game, right? If, if it's a, if it's a positive change, but then that kind of takes it further away. If it's something that's like really far away from what it originally was. So it's, I guess this is a long way of saying, <laughs> I guess uh, these addition developments are a lot more fluid. So I don't know that there's really that much more to it than that. Uh, these addition changes are very fluid. So it's very interesting time to be able to see this happening and, and just seeing how the digital world has has impacted it, right? Like the D&D virtual tabletop that they have coming out, that like that's going to, I'm sure that's going to have a pretty big, if it, that's successful, it's going to have a big impact to how the game is rolled out going forward. Um, and myself personally, it looks pretty, but it's not something I'm really going to use when I play online. Only because I feel it robs the player of the um, of their imagination when they have it like something so pretty with the Unreal Engine Five showing you what what looks awesome. But I like the character, the players, I should say, to use their imagination. I don't think anything's going to trump that. Um, and yeah, like I said, having all these these rules updates and changes, it's interesting times. It's and I'm not always entirely comfortable with the, some of the stuff that's going on in terms of just, you know, the change is just, it's not what I anticipated in the past, but, but I'm interested to see where it goes and it's exciting anyway. So, but yeah, I'm just rambling now at this point. So basically that's my hot take. That's my opinion. I think that these, uh, these additions are going to really just be 0.5s despite what the, what both Paizo and Wizards are saying. Um, but that's just my opinion. Uh, you might feel differently, and if so, please reach out, let me know, and I'd love to have more more discussions about these changes as uh, the further we get into the year, and as uh, you know, Pathfinders is, are coming first at the end of the year with their core book uh, re-releases, and then the D&D one's coming next year. So uh, very interested to hear if anyone has any uh, opinions they'd like to share and they'd like to have a discussion on it. Uh, if you do want to reach out, you can always uh, get me at... Red Roosters Gaming Coop at gmail.com.
Uh, so if you uh, reach out, I'd love to have a discussion. All right. Well, thank you very much for tuning in today. Have a great day.